Good morning. It is Tuesday, August 29th. It's five minutes after 11. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. It is hat day today here in the studio. If you'd like to see our red hats, type in Kendall and Casey into the YouTube search bar. His name is Rob Kendall. You can find him on Twitter at Rob M. Kendall. I'm there as well. Casey Daniels 317. And this is a reminder that you are invited to this year's live night with WIBC. And that is taking place on Wednesday, October 4th at the Indiana Historical Society. It is sponsored by our good friends at Relay Indiana, and tickets for that event went on sale this morning at WIBC.com. Yes. This always sells out within a day or two. Those of you who have been around for, I think we've done three of these now, will confirm if you don't get your tickets quick, you will likely not get them at all. So do not wait while you're listening to us. Go to WIBC.com and get your tickets. You get to hang out with uh, Casey and myself and Hammer and Nigel. And we think Tony Katz will be there and uh, <laughs> Gun Guy and maybe Abdul and Ethan and mm-hmm. uh, maybe some Tony special Kennett, guests. Hopefully. Tony Kennett, uh Kev will be there. Mm-hmm. Kev will be. Uh, Kev was the nicest dressed one at uh, night with WIBC last last year. If you, you think recall. so, yeah, he, he always dresses nice though. Yeah, I'm thinking about wearing a tuxedo this time. Well, I mean, you looked like some biker babe, and then I looked like the way I normally look, mm-hmm. and so it was a very low bar for you to hop over. But uh, <laughs> yeah, true. Um, I, my wife uh, texted me during the commercial break and goes, um. Should I come tonight with WIBC yes. this this year? And I said, Yeah, we're going to toss Livy into the audience. It'll be great. <laughs> no, you're not. Somebody catch this baby. No, you're not. I'll be backstage feeding her the whole time if you actually bring her. They'll be like, Casey, get on stage. I'll be like, In a minute. She's still drinking her bottle. Oh. All right. Well, let's talk about this. A federal judge on Monday set Donald Trump's federal election interference trial for March of 24 with the jury selection scheduled to take place on March 4th. And that is the day before Super Tuesday primaries. Oh, and this system is, I mean, you want to talk about, like, again, rigging the system against some guy for the purpose of election interference. Look no further than this. So the day before, the biggest day on the Republican calendar. So for those of you who aren't familiar, Super Tuesday is a day where a bevy of states vote at the same time. Now, in the case of the first early states, it's Iowa, then it's New Hampshire, then it's uh, then it's uh, South Carolina, I think for the Republicans, Nevada is in there as well, and and then Florida, and then there's this big Super Tuesday where a whole bunch of states vote on the same day. So if mm-hmm. you've got, and a lot of times it's decided by the time it gets to Super Tuesday, but if you've got a contested race, and if you recall with Biden, that's exactly what they did. They got out ahead of Super Tuesday so that he could clean up against Bernie Sanders. I mean, just they just make it so, they being the left, make it so blatantly obvious what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And in this case, it's scheduling his trial to begin right before Super Tuesday. Of course it is. Uh, and uh, the trial dates, they can always shift. And of course, Trump's lawyers are saying that, you know, uh, Jack Smith has had all, the, all of this time to review all these documents and, and they have not. So they want to push it back. We'll see if that really happens. But there's been another, I guess you could call it a bombshell, newly uncovered information. No. And this is uh, from the White House visitor logs that say that uh, people in Joe Biden's administration had meetings with the special counsel, Jack Smith, at the White House. So 
in effect, it looks like Joe Biden is personally running the prosecution of Donald Trump. Wait, 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 wait. Time out, Casey. Can you say that again, what you just reported? Because I'm not sure I heard you properly. Okay, so there's been new information that has been uncovered that shows White House visitor logs found that meetings took place between aides of Jack Smith. Uh Uh-huh. And the White House Counsel's office. Wait, wait. Now that this seems very hard to believe because we were told repeatedly that the Justice Department is totally independent and that the Biden administration is not interfering in this investigation whatsoever mm-hmm. or this prosecution, and that it's just a big giant coincidence that uh, nothing has happened to Hunter Biden and he was about to skate free, and nothing's happened to Joe Biden, and that Donald Trump is getting charged like it's going out of like charges are going out of style. That's all a giant coincidence. There was no interference whatsoever. But you're telling me visitor, visitor. No, I'm just asking you. I mean, visitor logs are saying that apparently Joe Biden must have misspoke. Yeah. Um, So this is being reported by the Epoch Times, and it says the meeting occurred just weeks before Trump was indicted on charges connected with everything. So isn't that just so random that they would be there? meeting with the White House counsel. Wild and wacky. Just and right before he was indicted. Very, um, Joe Biden not involved at all. No. Very unfortunate turn of events for Trump. Now, Trump was uh, tweeting out about uh, this uh, court date. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know how we do this on this show. I said tweet a true thing, whatever we call that. He was putting it on social media about his thoughts. And you know how we do it, Casey. Mm-hmm. When the president speaks, we we try to read those thoughts as best I uh, as best I can picture them in his head as he's typing them out. Deranged Jack Smith and his team of thugs who were caught going to the White House just prior to indicting the 45th President of the United States. An absolute no-no. Have been working on this witch hunt for almost three years, but decided to bring it smack in the middle of crooked Joe Biden's political opponent's campaign against him. Election interference! (laughs) Today, a biased, Trump-hating judge gave me only a two-month extension. Just what our corrupt government wanted. Super Tuesday. I will appeal! (laughs) Of course he will. Now, can I just say... One of the, there are little nuances to Trump's tweeting, truthing, whatever that I love. Yeah. And one is how he will shift in the middle of a treat, tweet truth mm-hmm. where he's referring to himself right. as though it's not him, like uh-huh. he's not the person typing. And then he will transition as though he is the person typing. So in this, you know, it's like White House just prior to indicting the 45th president, uh, but decided to bring it smack in the middle of crooked Joe Biden's political opponent's campaign against him. And then all of a sudden, the judge gave me! Mm-hmm. <laughs> you mean the Trump hating judge. <laughs> so in one sentence, he's talking about himself in second and third person. Uh, I, yes, it's uh, absolutely incredible. It does raise questions, though, why these people were at the White House talking with the White House counsel. I think Trump spelled it out. I mean, I don't, I don't, I mean, you're right. I mean, it, I know what you're saying in the sense of you should really be paying attention to this. I don't think there's any question about what they were doing there or what they've been doing from the beginning. Mm-hmm. I think everybody knows what they've been doing from the beginning. Yeah. But he wasn't done. Now, this one I questioned just a little bit. 
what Donald Trump had uh, to say in his next truth. Are you implying <laughs> that Donald Trump might be less than truthful on truth social media? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm saying he maybe he's exaggerating. I don't know. Maybe he knows something we don't know. The, the Trump obsession with DeSantis is a little weird, isn't it? I, I mean, think it, he it's thinks just us. He's, it, he's threatened. It's just us, just yeah. us gals shooting the breeze here. Yeah, I, I, I think Donald Trump probably sees Ron DeSantis as his biggest threat to winning the election. So, and I don't know, Casey, you follow the news closer than I do. I have not heard one single solitary report from anyone that Ron DeSantis is considering getting out of the presidential race, or certainly that he's considering running against Rick Scott. Have you heard, as a former Florida resident, have you heard anything related remotely related to that no in fact i've heard the opposite of that and one is that he's letting uh the floridians know about the hurricane that is coming Mm -hmm. and he was on that well in advance like a week in advance yeah he was uh warning everybody and getting the uh emergency authorities together but also he's in iowa now doing he's he's trying to tour like the 99 what is it 99 counties yes. i believe yes 99 counties, and he's Iowa. been to 53 of them and just yesterday he was at the field of dreams and he had his big bus out there oh. next to an ice cream truck sure. and he was throwing the baseball around with some kids on the field of dreams you know ron DeSantis played in the little league world series he did you know this yes, yes he absolutely did. great he, and played college baseball mm-hmm, as yes, well he's an athlete isn't it weird that DeSantis? i heard somebody talking about this yesterday and i can't remember who it was and they didn't use these exact words but isn't it weird that DeSantis who he was a great athlete as a young man he was a great college athlete he was uh, you know clearly a decorated member of the U.S. military served abroad served in Iraq was a by all accounts not just some guy a paper pusher but a guy actually like fighting and leading Mm -hmm. like he's got such an alpha background but he comes off as such a like beta when he speaks and kind you of think is, so? I like we talked about his voice just annoys me Casey I know his voice annoys you and I think it's a turnoff for a lot of people uh but I, I don't think he comes across as beta I think at times he comes across as unlikable because he's down to business yeah he doesn't want to do this fluff small talk nonsense he just let you know he just wants to lead let him get in there, do the job. Kev, you're a young person and an in, an informed voter. Do you vote based on how you feel? Have you ever <laughs> voted based on how you feel? Because we know Casey has, because she's a woman. She totally votes based on how she feels. <laughs> but have you ever voted based on like how you feel, or are you just like what, like whatever? I don't need to like you or know you. I just, what are you gonna do? Like voting on like superficial qualities, yeah. Like, like I mean, like, like how like, his voice sounds, like or for, something like, like that. for Casey. We know she's gonna vote because yeah. she's a woman for the best looking guy or the guy that is <laughs> the smoothest talker or has yeah. the best head of hair or what. Like she needs to be in love with the politician <laughs> because she's a woman. But you, like, what do you do? You need to. I've never needed to like or know or want to be around or anything the people that I that are making decisions for me. I just need to know what decisions they're gonna make. Yeah, I guess I've mainly just voted on what their policies are. Uh, I'm I'm calling bull. I am calling bull Uh on that right now, Kevin. Kevin McNamara. Because after the debate, you and I had a conversation off the air about Mike Pence, and it had nothing to do with his policy. Well, we were just talking about the debate. I mean... I, okay, so I thought I, I think we were talking. I love about you, Vivek. Kevin. You're the sweetest thing. We were talking about we were talking about Vivek, and I thought he held his ground yeah. well, and he sounded like that made me like him a little more, seeing how well he performed on stage. So was it the performance but, itself, or was it I like what he had to say? 
Because there's well, a difference, right? Yeah, it was actually it was actually both. Yeah. And you were turned off by what Mike Pence said. Yeah, I just think Mike Pence is pretty old fashioned mm-hmm. in his uh, speaking, yeah. and it doesn't really appeal to a younger person like me. He's still in the whole Reagan era of politics. Yeah. So what I'm getting out of this is I can't count on either one of you people to well, do so the right thing, and you're totally going to be snowballed, <laughs> and you both are going to end up on an episode of American Greed getting hoodwinked by one of these people. Uh, Rob Kendall, we spent a lot of time in the studio with you. I know you would never let that happen. Oh, <laughs> All right, so the reason, there was a reason for all this. We got totally derailed. But the reason is Trump put out this very weird truth about Ron DeSantis mm-hmm. getting out of the race, and I just thought we had to read it. And I- Rumors are strong in political circles that Ron DeSanctimonious, whose presidential run is in shambles and whose poll numbers have absolutely crashed, putting him third and fourth in some states, will be dropping out of the presidential race in order to run in Florida against Rick Scott for Senate. Now that's an interesting one, isn't it? What the hell is that? That is an interesting one. Hey, he's saying he heard it from some insiders. Uh, Maybe Ron DeSantis is going to see how he does in Iowa and then make a decision after that if he doesn't perform as well as he wants to. Donald Trump has officially become an REO Speedwagon song. Heard it from a friend who, heard it from a friend who, heard it from another that you've been messing around. Yeah, well, I mean, the blueprint for both of them in uh, Iowa is very close. However, the numbers aren't equal. Uh, Trump is sitting at what, 42% and DeSantis is at 19% for caucus goers. So he's got to turn it around in Iowa if he wants to stay in the game. Uh, all right. When we come back, Casey, mm-hmm. what do we, we kind of just a plethora of things. Jill Biden is coming to Indianapolis. She's going to be this? here tomorrow. Yeah. Jill Biden. Jill Biden. Do we, any desire? You know, we'll get into it. <laughs> we'll get into it. Uh, it's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Heard it from a friend. Let's do a uh, Biden family update. Let's see where they all are. Uh, Because they've been on vacation, it seems like, the entire month of August. So it's almost over. Time to get back to work. And here's what they're going to be doing. It is 1123 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So President Biden, he's going to be traveling to Vietnam on September 10th. And then after that, he's going to travel to Alaska, where he's going to mark the 22nd anniversary of the September 11th terrorist attacks in a memorial ceremony with members of the military and their families. But he was uh, yesterday, Joe Biden, he was what, in a school in Washington. He was talking with students and uh, another weird moment from the president where he says, if if you don't want uh, little kids looking at porn, you're some sort of terrible person. Yeah, man, this guy, you just wonder what things come out of his mouth. Like, is he actually uh does he know what he's saying i mean because the, the, the they've tried to make this library thing like that people are trying to ban mm-hmm. books well, and i think what people are saying and we, you know we talked with mike about this in the actual public library a lot of people just say look if you're gonna have adult content make sure they're in the adult section mm-hmm. we don't want kids looking at it without express written consent of their their parents and that's great there's nothing wrong with it. Nobody's trying to ban any books. You just want to put them in the right section. But that's a big deal because the left wants kids exposed to this stuff. In the case of a school, absolutely as a parent, you have a right to be engaged on whether your kid 
your kid should have access because you are not there during the day. Unlike the public library, where you can be there as your kid goes in, et cetera, you are not allowed in most schools to just follow your kid or a public school to follow your kid around all day. So you have the right to know and object to mm -hmm. if there is content, just like if your kid is eight, he's not supposed to be, or she is not supposed to be able to go into an R-rated movie without, you know, a parent, whatever. Because we have said as a society, the government has said, they're the ones who give the, you know, the ratings or the commission that gives the rating system, not the government, but you know what I'm saying, that, that certain content is for certain ages. Mm -hmm. And they have now tried to turn the idea that if you want kids to consume kid-oriented content, well, then you're for burning and banning books, and you're just one step away from the Salem witch trials. Yeah, it's it's porn for kids that is being banned in schools, not books. And if you're an adult and you want to find that material, you can do that at the usual outlets, and you can do that if you want to. Yeah. So, so here is Biden, uh, again, trying to, and by the way, he says, which is very weird. Here's the other part of this is super weird. Mm -hmm. He says that he never thought he'd be president, which that is super weird because he spent his entire adult life, Casey, basically running trying for, to be president. Yeah. He's run for president in four, three different decades. Yeah. It's so the whole thing is bizarre. And we have to speak out that, uh, there's a whole group of extreme people trying to erase history trying to walk away from. I mean, the idea that we're sitting here, I never thought that I'd be president, let alone be president, and having a discussion on why books are being banned in American schools. And, uh, and as administration, we're going to continue to march forward. It's because the content is inappropriate. I don't know. There was another clip going around of him when he was at that Washington, D.C. school. And, and there was a young girl sitting in the front row, and she was uh, fumbling with uh, some of the materials that were on her desk. And he got up closer to her, and he said, are you okay, baby? Like, ew, just what? creep. And it's like, I, I think about, like, okay, when I was in, uh, when I was in school, and you know, I remember for like sex education, for example, whatever mm -hmm. that was, seventh or eighth grade or yeah. whenever they teach that to you, you had to actually get a permission slip signed yep. by your parents to participate. Yep. And if they didn't want you to participate, then you went to another room and they, whatever, I don't know. And that like, I mean, obviously when you're seventh grade, eighth grade, uh, none of this stuff is even dawning on you that it's going on, but it's like, what a reasonable thing. And I'm guessing if you had to do that today, I don't know, do they even make you do that today? Your kid was in school way more recent than I was. Did mm -hmm. did she even have a permission slip or did they just start teaching? I mean, it just seems like we've gone a long way. I mean, public schools have gone a long way in a different direction. And now if you want to abide by the rules that the public school always used to abide by, well, you're some extremist, like book banner, Nazi, communist, semi-fascist, whatever. So Jill Biden is coming to Indianapolis and she's going to be, where's she at? She's going to be... Uh, is, is it Zionsville? Yes, right? yes, yes, yes. 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 And she's going to be, what, speaking with a U.S. Surgeon General? Uh, this is Wednesday. <laughs> Why? Jill Biden? Does she even speak? Casey, uh, Casey came very well prepared uh, for this segment. Yes, she's going to be with the Vivek, uh, Vivek Murthy, who is the Surgeon General for the United States. And... I don't know what... I didn't come from prayer because I don't care to hear her speak. I Well, yeah, I don't know why they're doing this. I don't know why she's... 
a part of this. I don't know. I mean, it's an odd place, too, to put someone. And maybe there's a backstory that we missed to it. But I just saw she was going to be here and wanted to let everybody know that keep your guard up because they'll probably delay traffic, you know, <laughs> in a 93-mile radius. And, I mean, it used to be a big deal. Okay, let me ask you this. Let's frame the conversation this way, Casey. It used to be a big deal when the first lady would show up somewhere because the first lady was deemed largely apolitical. And I'm saying about mm-hmm. pre-Hillary, okay? Yeah. I think Hillary was kind of the first one. Like if it was Nancy Reagan, it was say no to drugs. Right. And I think Barbara Bush. Literacy. Kind of, literacy, yes, thank mm-hmm. you. And then at least Laura Bush was a teacher uh and conveniently, everybody forgot she ran over a dude and just somehow was never really held to account for that. But what, whatever. Um, she, I think she was education and reading, too. But Jill Biden has been super, super political. Mm-hmm. Even Michelle Obama, for whatever you think of her, was largely like her issues was nutrition in schools. And sure. we can say how stupid we think the vending machine stuff was or whatever. But it wasn't like, even though she is a hardcore radical leftist, it, like her stuff wasn't hardcore radical left. Joe Biden has leaned into all of this stuff. Yeah. And to me, it dilutes kind of like, hey, I can't come and celebrate. Hey, the first lady's here. Isn't that great for everyone? Because you're a you're a political beast, right? You're well, engaged in the fight. Who's going to babysit the president when she's out of town? Hunter's not there either. He's apparently uh, buckling up in some ritzy L.A. neighborhood now. And he's living out there. Of course, uh, House Republicans accusing uh, Weiss of giving him special privileges. And, you know, so who's going to watch the president? That's my question. I bet you, I bet you his sister will be staying in the White House with him tomorrow while Jill's out of town. It is 1130. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. It's time to hear from you. Kendall and Casey present Voicemails. Brought to you by QC Kinetics for non-surgical regenerative medicine treatments at 317-559-PAIN. I'm so sorry you have just reached my answering machine. If you'd like to participate in voicemails, the number 317-684-8444. But before we get started, wanted to clarify something. We were talking about how Jill Biden, FLOTUS, is coming to Indianapolis tomorrow. And uh, Rob and I were trying to find the location of where exactly she's going to be speaking. We were unable to do that. So I popped my head into the newsroom and asked the brain trust in there. And they said it has not been released yet. She is supposed to be speaking at a high school in Indianapolis but they have not released the exact location. Okay, because okay, I knew that yesterday, and I thought, man, Casey and I are just doing a really crappy job with this story. It's got to be available, and, we're not, and like every news story, there was mm-hmm. no clarification. Right. And Zionsville was one of the ones that had been rumored, which is why I put that out there, but now apparently they've narrowed it down at least to mm-hmm. Indianapolis. Yes. This is super weird, isn't it? Like, I'm going somewhere. Where are you going? Can't tell you. Like, what? wouldn't the premise be, oh my gosh, the first lady is coming here. That's going to be such a, a feeling of pride for our school. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, everybody's super excited. It's not like the first, it's not like it's actually the president. I mean, I get that there's security, et cetera, with the first lady, but my goodness, why would you like, oh, hey kids, big day today coming up at nine. 
Joe Biden will be here. Yeah, the only thing that I can come up with is that's a security thing. But you never know, because with the Bidens, they do the bait and switch all the time. Like uh, just the other day, Biden invited the WNBA champs to the White House, and then he completely ghosted them. And they ended up staying in Tahoe for an extra day while the team went to the White House and met with Kamala Harris instead. So while, again, just to be very clear, while Zionsville was one of the rumored ones, apparently that's absolutely been ruled out. They have, they have clarified that at least it is a high school in Indianapolis, but we are not as stupid as I thought we were because no one knows yet because they haven't <laughs> clarified it. And I was just like, I was like, you were throwing me under the bus well, saying yeah. I wasn't prepared. I'm like, no, seriously, it's not here. Well, it's just, yeah, I was like, <laughs> wow. So, okay. All right. Uh, real quick. Remember yesterday, Hammer went on a rant because every time Hammer does the show, mm-hmm. he stands up yeah. and he never puts the camera back and yeah. it's super annoying. Mm-hmm. And then I had to step out in the hall. And so he moved over to my seat to, at the start of his segment. And of course, once again, he decided, even though he was going to be on the air for like six seconds to raise the camera and stand up. Yeah. And we had a spirited back and forth and he tried to claim it helps him as a broadcaster. Opens up your diaphragm oh, yeah, when yeah, you yeah. stand I mean, up. It's just the most stupid, ridiculous thing mm-hmm. ever. And Nathan, our dear, sweet listener, Nathan, who lives in Boston, who loves this show so much, um, once spent his spring break driving from Boston, came here to see the show in person. Uh, He is a singer. He's a very talented singer. He called. He has issue with what Hammer has to say. Hello, this is Nathan from Boston. I know this is not like a serious topic, but this just tickled me so much. (laughs) What Hammer said about needing to stand up in order to project. Why? I come from a very musical family. And, like, when we were, when people joined the choir and joined various groups that we started, we used to tell them, like, use the microphone. You don't need to push the note from the bottom of your toes. You don't need (laughs) to do that. The microphone is designed to pick up your voice. And that's us singing. Gospel music at that which sometimes takes a lot of work. You're just sitting there talking. What are you projecting? <laughs> are you singing opera to us over the radio? I don't understand. You literally could take the microphone, stuff it down the back of your throat, and whisper, and we would still hear you just fine. There's no need to project anything. <laughs> I'm on Rob's side. Don't touch nothing. <laughs> I think in Hammer's defense, it's, it's more about like the energy, energy and feeling like you're ready to go and yeah. keeping yourself on your toes, literally. Well, that's fine if he's a lazy bum who can't do it while sitting down, but that's not what he was saying. He was talking about projecting and all sorts of other stuff. <laughs> I've got a message for Nathan. Yes. No one wants to hear Hammer sing opera. <laughs> Hey, real quick. Remember yesterday I told you about the sweet old ladies who came into the golf uh, course? Yes. Uh, Linnell and... Lavelle, who were born... (laughs) Right, of course. Who were born... 30 minutes apart. Mm-hmm. They are 83 years old. So they the one was a surprise, the second one. And that's why they just named her the same as the other one, changing one letter because they didn't know. And I thought, how, how ridiculous is this that you couldn't know? And then I realized, well, 83 years ago, they didn't have the stuff they have now. And somebody who has been a nurse for a long time called about this very issue about not knowing if you're having twins. Kimball and Casey, love your show. Talking about having a twins and not realizing you have a I've been in the nursing profession for 60 years, and when I started in nursing school at Marion County General Hospital, Eskenazi, that was not unusual because 
we didn't have all the things we have now. And all of a sudden, the doctor turned around and said, we've got another one. Because <laughs> the mother's abdomen did not go down after the first baby. And so I believe that those two ladies, that is really a blessing that they're 83 and able to get around and uh, play golf and do all that other stuff. Mm. Love your show. Mm. Hope Olivia's keeping you hopping. Aww. What's coming up next? Uh, oh, we've got an interview with Kate Martell. We're going to talk about conservatism in pop culture having a moment. By the way, about 1.6 million twins are born each year worldwide, one every 42 children. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Pennsylvania Turnpike Indiana's early morning too 93WIBC, it is the Kendall and Casey Show. My name is Casey. Rob is here. And uh, Rob, you recall at the debate last week, they started off with a quote from Oliver Anthony, rich men from Richmond. Yes, my favorite part was when none of them realized it was about them. (laughs) And they answered poorly, (laughs) as you would expect. But there's an article out on the Hill, and it's about conservatism on the rise. And I figured we would go to the author of said article. Great. Her name is Kate Martell, and she is from The Hill. Good morning, Kate. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So I wanted to talk to you about the article that you uh, wrote, the recent work you did, Conservative Pop Culture is Having a Moment. And I guess let's start off by addressing, is conservatism having a moment right now? It absolutely is having a moment this summer. Um, You had the Oliver Anthony song, as you mentioned. It went from, you know, a seemingly unknown artist who had never been on the Billboard Hot 100, all of a sudden have a number one song within three weeks and had no public name recognition. Um, And you also have a conservative, faith-based, thriller movie, Sound of Freedom, which is pretty low budget, um, all of a sudden topping Mission Impossible and the Indiana Jones movies this summer, um, that, you know, it, we're really seeing this this movement that um, conservatives are, you know, coalescing to amplify their voices in, you know, a, a media of Hollywood that has become synonymous with progressive media, um, where they believe that they have not had the attention, um, you know, from cop, pop culture, and now they're really having this big moment where they're talking hits and you know having major major box office movies where they're bringing in a lot of money now you mentioned liberal hollywood and what's the reaction from that area yeah it's interesting you bring that up because um you know a lot of these voices have been you know having this moment and you know as far as from the democrats that i've been talking to and the liberals you know, they're, they're pretty dismissive of some of these songs that, you know, they look like they might just be a fluke. And it looks like this, you know, every once in a while in the social media culture, we do have, you know, a piece of music or a movie go viral. And it seems like it's a bit random. But I think you have to look a little bit further into the message of some of these songs that is really resonating with 
with a, a major population of people in America that feel that they have been represented in popular culture. Casey, I have a question that no doubt will win us a Marconi, but before I ask it, would you like to introduce our guest again? Yeah, this is Kate Martell. She is a reporter from The Hill. And she has a fabulous new piece out about conservatism in pop culture. Mm-hmm. Is there a rise of conservatism in pop culture? All right, Kate, have you figured out, or has anybody figured out, why predominantly so many of, whether it's music or it's acting or, you know, what all points in between, it seems like it is so predominantly a, kind of a, a liberal environment. Why is it so hard to find conservatives or conservative themes? That, I think you, you hit the nail on the head that, um, you know, Hollywood has always been considered these liberal elites. And I think that a lot of conservatives would argue that they have a really hard time breaking through, that um, there's a lot of money in Hollywood and a lot of these voices are liberal and they really can band together and make their voices really heard. I think, you know, if, to step back another example, as you look at the White House Cor- Correspondents Association dinner weekend, um, you know, when you have Democrats in office, such as former President Obama, it's this star-studded event with a lot of A-listers. And then when you compare when Trump took in office, that even a lot of companies and celebrities and a lot of, a lot of um, Hollywood really bowed out and made it such a muted affair that, um, that I think that you can argue that progressives have really just always taken over Hollywood and have really been able to amplify their messages in a way that Republicans have scoffed at and you know have been pretty dismissive of pop culture until recently when I think Republicans and conservatives are realizing that, hey, there's a real big opportunity here for our movement. And, um, you know, an expert that I talked to in popular culture and the intersection of politics um, pointed out that this is about the best campaign ad that Republicans could ask for coming up on 2024. It's all free earned media. And this is the type of attention that you can't pay for. Um, Kate Martell is with us. She is a reporter from The Hill, and uh, she wrote a wonderful article called Conservative Pop Culture is Having a Moment. I want to cite a couple examples. Mark Wahlberg uh, recently left Hollywood, and I believe he's trying to make his own sort of studio in Las Vegas. And then you've got uh, Jason Aldean with his song Try That in a Small Town, which was not received well by a lot of people. Um, These artists that step away from Hollywood and try to do their own thing, are they getting a lot of backlash? And isn't that kind of detrimental to their career? Yeah, you can argue it, it can be detrimental to their career. And they're making this argument that you know, in this in this increasingly polarized country where it's starting to invade all forms of life that, um, you know, that, that they're making a point that they want to use their political activism and, you know, potentially have in detriment to their, their pop culture careers because they think that this is so important. And we are starting to see a bit of this movement where, um, you know, some artists are going against the grain a little bit more because they want to fight back. And, um, you know, you've seen with the Jason Aldean song that, you know, that was not received well by a lot of people for some of the footage it had of the Black Lives Matter protests, you know, in a negative light and where his music video was filmed was was the site of an infamous lynching for a hundred years ago that, um, you know, by having some of these controversial figures tied to the politics of conservative, of some of these conservative songs and media pop culture moments that, you know, it, it is kind of conflating some of this controversy with what it means to be a conservative in the pop culture medium. And I think it's kind of crossing the making a crossing a line a bit and um, making it difficult for some of these conservative pop culture influencers to try to have a moment, you know, without trying to necessarily make it all about controversy.
You have any idea in your research for this piece about why more studio? I mean, clearly we've laid out the the Oliver Anthony stuff, the the, the Jim Caviezel movie that is just was on fire and 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 beat Mission Impossible. Is there a reason why? Because I assume these studios want to make money. They're seeing the success when you put conservative, you know, themed stuff out there. Why more studios aren't latching onto that? I mean, is their political ideology that strong? I think a lot of their political ideology is so ingrained that you can argue that 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 is part of it. But also, I think that, you know, we've seen all of this happen this summer, that I wouldn't be surprised if this, you know, really gets attention from more studios. And uh, we do see more of this pop culture from a conservative uh, vantage point to be made in the next few years. Um, This is, you know, we're calling this the, the summer of conservative pop culture hits, and I'm sure a lot of people out there are taking note of this and seeing that that they that some of these hits can do well that I think beforehand you would have argued that a lot of these studios would have said yes we can make some of these pop culture references you know for more conservative audience but they're not going to do as well that they would argue until this year that 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 those would not be the money makers and this year I think has refuted that that I think we will see more of this content Mm -hmm. going forward yeah so we can expect more of it uh Kate one last question before we wrap it up here I saw a bumper sticker and I wanted to get your reaction on it it said conservatism is the new punk rock which to me says somewhat of a rebellion, which you normally typically would not put with conservatism. That's a funny bumper sticker. And yeah, that um, it, it's ironic that now that, you know, what a lot of Americans believe um, in, in politics has felt almost like a rebellion. And I think that shows, you know, just how much Hollywood has infiltrated politi- politics. And, um, you know, I, I think that that's, Uh, over the next few years, probably pretty interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, exactly. Well, Kate, thank you so much for joining us. Once again, the article is at thehill.com. It's called Conservative Pop Culture is Having a Moment. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it is Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC, and that's going to wrap it up for us today. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Kevin. And thank you for listening. We're going to count on you to be back here tomorrow. It is Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.